You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sunny Side Up. Today, we're shaking things up a bit. We're going to do a video cast. And if you don't know what a video cast is, it's when you turn on your cameras and you record a podcast. So today, I'm excited to talk to Dan Fronin about when outbound becomes inbound or when outbound is equals to inbound. So, Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Asher. I'm super excited to be here. And um, yeah, I'm just trying to get used to these video podcasts myself, but it's good to see you. <laughs> video casting is a new thing. So, Dan, tell us a little bit about how you got to Sendosa and give us a little bit of an appreciation for how you even got to become a CMO. Sure. So um, I've been in marketing for about 15 years now. Um, I started in the music industry in book publishing, um, did that for about 10 years, um, and really just had this curiosity for marketing on B2C side and B2B. And uh, as I was going throughout that business, I, I started modernizing the tech stack and it exposed me to a lot of startups. And, and I knew that my next move was going to be to go work for a startup. I love the entrepreneurial spirit, the, the constant iteration, the grind. Uh, and I started doing that and I've just been really fortunate to land uh, with a lot of great people and a lot of decent companies and, and kind of work my way up through my career. So, you know, the past few gigs, uh, I was at Aptis as a VP of demand gen and sales development. I then had the opportunity to go work for a company called Schedulo as their first VP of marketing and, and work with them through their A and getting their B. And then I was a Sendoso customer, and uh, when they were ready to start scaling their marketing, they pinged me, and um, I love the space, I love the community, and it was just kind of a no-brainer to, to jump over and help scale the business, and I've been having a blast for the past year doing it. I mean, I remember going to trade shows, and at the end of the trade show, or at the beginning of the trade show, depending on like whenever I have some free time, going to every booth and toying around with tchotchkes. And then when I was at Avalara, we used to send people apple pies and you're at the heart. Like that's what your company does, right? Like send people cool things and, I, and, and you run marketing for them, which is even cooler. So you get to play with all the new keys, all the new fancy things, uh, ways of how people are reaching out to, to their prospects and customers. I just think it's an exciting gig, you know, like even though the marketing piece of it may be a little bit challenging because we're all in sales and MarTech, which is super noisy. But the fact that you get to toy around with all of these keys and, and new ways of delighting customers and delighting prospects, I envy you. And I envy myself sometimes too. It's like being a candy candy. <laughs> All right, let's dive into it. So today we want to talk about when outbound is equals to inbound. And so tell us a little bit about the topic and then, uh, and then let's break down demand families. Yeah, so um, this topic is near and dear to my heart. I've really been running uh, demand gen and sales development teams for about five, six years now. And what I've, what I've realized as I've been starting to scale outbound uh, sales development teams and then running demand gen around, around them I've realized that the work that an, that an outbound team does is actually uh, substantially, if done right, 
raining more inbound to you in the end. So the whole concept is if, if you are tightly aligned uh, in, in a target account framework or who your ICP is, and you're going and seeding the market and getting your brand in front of the right companies and the right personas, then the, the lines between outbound and inbound start to blur. And you'll actually start to see within like your sales development process that an SDR might start working an account two days later, if they've worked it in the past, maybe six months prior, if they did their job properly, they might watch an inbound rain down on them within a day or two. So it's really like, in, in my opinion, outbound equals inbound, inbound equals outbound. And I have a framework that correlates the two together and really speeds that up to get the results you're ultimately looking for. Superb. And so I know our pre-interview session was super educational for me and I'm super excited to like dive into it. So tell us a little bit about the framework and then let's start with demand families because that was point number one that I took away. Yeah. So, I mean, the, you know, having, having started at a few different startups at this point in my career, one of the first things that, that any marketer does coming in is really evaluate like at, at the moment in time that you enter the business, what is driving demand and brand for that company. And a lot of times what you'll see is uh, from a demand generation standpoint, every company has a little bit of inbound and, and really what the, the first job of any, you know, demand gen marketer or VP CMOs is to dig in and say, okay, what are these demand generation families? And, and really what that means is what are those big topics that you're most relevant to in the market? What are those subcategory words within those and how much traffic does it drive uh, if you were to go out and optimize from a search engine standpoint? Um, and then you do that with your competitors too, right? So you look at what's, what's a no brainer for your company, but then go and look at your competitors in the space, both the ones that your CEO or VP of sales tells you that they know of, but also the ones that might be competing with you digitally that you didn't even know existed. And, and once you have that point of view, uh, you have your demand gen families. And, and that to me is like the first uh, bit of the framework that you have to work off of. Cause it really, you know, th those topics and those words, uh, they, they really set the foundation for what your content strategy should be as a, as a marketing organization. Superb. And so how do you prioritize those demand families? So to me, it's uh, there's really a two prong approach to it. One is some of those demand gen families might be near and dear to the company's heart because maybe it's your category that you're trying to create. And, and, you know, you may look at it and go, why do I want to optimize for this? It's only going to drive like a hundred searches a month. And it's like, because your job is to grow that category and eventually it'll be a thousand, 2000, 3000. So you definitely want to dominate those. But then you also want to look at the demand gen families based on traffic and relevancy to your, your buyers and what you know about your buyers. And then you want to start to optimize around the families that have the, the biggest correlation towards driving the most traffic that has the most intent to actually want to take you up on your offer, whether that's a demo request, whether that's a free trial, whether that's, you know, a product led growth strategy, getting into the product, whatever it is. Terrific. And so the way I think about it is, is in one dimension family, let's call it MarTech, like things could be super expensive. Like, so is, at that point in time, am I just better off going and starting in a new dimension family from scratch because I know the amount of work is going to be equal and, and I may get a better, uh, better ROI on starting with the new family? Yeah, I mean, it, it really depends. I mean, if you think about like 
you know, marketing technology and like account-based marketing, for instance, like account-based marketing is a demand gen family is highly saturated. There's a lot of big players that have put a lot of content muscle in there. And you may find that you might have to spend like a couple hundred thousand dollars to even like make a dent into that. Um, but if you dig in deeper and find some of those, those more long tail keywords or demand gen families that maybe have a little bit less traffic, but are a little bit more relevant to what you're offering, you might find that you'd want to double down on those ones um, that are easier to penetrate where you can actually have an authentic and more almost like a, a clearer shot at actually dominating and, and having that um, clear share of voice there versus trying to go after something that's too saturated. So if I understand the concept correctly, right? So there's like, there's two distinct dimension families, right? You pick the one where you have a shot at owning the largest voice, right? Or you could go into an existing dimension family and go find a topic that isn't necessarily popular and use it to, to increase your share of voice. Is that correct? Yep, exactly. Yeah. And it's, and, it, and you have to be somewhat calculated about how you're going to do it. Cause you know, if, if you're going head to head with a company that's just dominating a demand gen family and there's no room to get in there, then you're, you're better off putting your effort somewhere else. Into a new one. Super interesting. Okay. Uh, the next point that I wanted to talk to you about was paid versus organic. I know it becomes a big, big point of discussion, uh, even in executive teams when they try to just understand marketing, because I don't think all executive teams understand marketing. And even if they don't understand marketing, they don't appreciate marketing. Right. And, and when these conversations come up, the, the everybody's inborn marketer almost always comes out. Right. So how does Tasha one think about these? Yeah, it's interesting because um, SEO and it, that's a that's a longer term business strategy, right? So if I go out and write content um, and put it on my website and I've optimized it for demand gen families, it's not going to rank overnight. Like I, I have to double and triple down on those efforts. I need to continue to create content that shows that I'm actually a, a valid resource and a valid authority on that um, so that you continue to rank, you continue to show uh, your importance in that. Um, and, and your, in your paid strategy, that's something that you can iterate and experiment with and turn off and on pretty much in the moment. Right. Uh, and you can run experiments at, at, at scale in a lot quicker of a time than you could SEO. Um, so the way that I think about it is paid is actually a really good way to go out and prove out demand gen families. And, um, and then, as you start to learn more about your ICP, who's coming in, what's converting, how quality it is, that's when I think you can actually correlate that data back to your organic strategy and um, start to double down for long-term. And most companies always have a decision to make around how do you fund both paid or organic, right? And, uh, and, and the tendency in some companies is to outsource it, right? Like what decision do I have to make before I out decide to outsource this entire effort? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it depends on the type of team you're trying to build as a company. So for, for me, like I've, I've had both models, right? Like my last company, we outsourced it 100% because we just had a very ABM approach inside and not a, not a huge demand gen approach and paid was more of a defensive tactic for category keywords and like a few just random terms that we could pick up here and there. Um, but here at Sendoso, it's a mixed methodology. So we have a demand gen manager who runs day to day, but then he uses agencies to scale and to 
and to test the programs at scale. It's really dependent on the business. I think when you're in growth phase and you're really quickly iterating and you're trying to create a growth engine, I think it's pretty important that if you do outsource, that you have someone who's managing the relationship extremely closely and that you treat that outsourced agency as an extension of your team versus just kind of uh, a lot of times you might just be paying someone $10,000 a month and kind of loosely looking and going like, oh, that, that seems to be working, but you really need to, to be paying a lot more attention than, than that. Which brings us to my next point of monitoring all these things, right? Because it just sounds like there's so much going on and, and, and in, in the day-to-day business challenges that we're trying to solve for, like monitoring this stuff can take away from us from, I know it's important, but, but is it really the most important thing, right? So how should one think about monitoring it and what are your tips for monitoring these things? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you have to have a tiered approach. So at the very top level, like you should have a budget and you should have attached to that budget what results you expect from a pipeline and a revenue standpoint. And that should be closely monitored. And if you're not seeing the pipeline, then you need to be digging deeper. Um, if you're actually managing the program day to day, then you need to be you need to be leaning on yourself or your agency to to look at the health metrics to make sure that your cost per clicks are exactly where you expect them to be, to make sure that um, stuff that's coming in is actually being converted, and really looking at the funnel. And then ultimately, um, you need to be doing monthly kind of metrics reviews with either yourself and your team or your agency um, on like what your objectives are. Like, are you trying to get the most uh, inbound lead gen for the cheapest cost? Are you trying to get the highest quality within a budget parameter? And, and really, when you set those sorts of goals, you have to come back very regularly and, and ask yourself and the team that you're working with uh, if they're hitting those goals. Okay, superb. And so what is, after I've done all this work, right? Like I spent hours and hours and hours looking at imagined families. I figured out like which ones I want to prioritize, right? I, I, I tested my paid versus organic. I tested, it did A-B testing inside both of those motions as well, right? And then, and then I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, gosh, I should get a lot of inbound, right? And, and, and it's that expectation built out of the, the work or the time that one has put into this effort, right? But, but I feel like, like success kind of starts and then it hockey sticks, or maybe it doesn't hockey stick. Like, like how should I think about excess, uh, success and how should I sp- set my expectation and the people around me's expectation? Yep, so I, I think um, first and foremost, like my, my whole like hypothesis or thesis here is, is set on the fact that it's an outbound, inbound motion. So, you know, part of establishing these demand gen families and, you know, going and asking for a budget to create content uh, means that I need to show that I'm maximizing the value of that content. So I'm a firm believer that, okay, the reason that I have an editorial calendar and the reason that I'm creating that blog or that long form pillar page or whatever piece of content it is, is to drive long-term value for the company. And, and my, the, the thing that I immediately communicate is, hey, based on these demand gen families, we're projecting over these quarters that we will see this much of a traffic increase which will convert into this and that to paint the picture. But we also know that early days, we actually can't be waiting for that. So it's how do you actually take that content and split it up into other bite-sized snippets and use it in different places. So can you take a long form piece of content and make it bite-sized into blogs? 
Can you take that uh, long form content and split it up and actually make it part of your SDR cadences so that you're educating the market from an outbound standpoint with the same sorts of ideas as you're trying to attract them in through an organic way. And that, that is how, you know, long-term versus need to do it now strategy really plays out is if you can, if you can do both of those things at the same time, because you have to create the SDR cadences, you right. have to create that messaging, you have to yep. get the conversion at that place yep. anyway, yep. you consolidate those efforts and kill multiple birds with one stone, then you have a pretty winning strategy and can usually get your exec team uh, behind it pretty quickly. I also feel like a lot of this stuff has to breadcrumb its way through to the company vision and, uh, and the market positioning and, uh, and, and, and all of that stuff has to be tied to the core competencies of a company, right? It can't just be what you say, but it's like, what is the strength of your different human resources? The company? Like, however, those pods created and all those things come together. And then this is just an, a, way, a way to activate all those things and tell other people about it and explain concisely, like what you do, why you do, how you do it, right? And so, so I, I, t- I totally align with you on all those pieces. It's just this piece sounds a little complicated, but as you explained it, it's just, it's not, it's just applied science. You just have to go through it, right? It's, it's definitely applied science and it's orchestration. I mean, and, and honestly, that's one of the toughest parts of business is how do you sit down with an SDR leader and a content leader and a demand leader, whoever it is on your team and say, Hey, I need you all to understand that we're doing, that we all have different objectives here, but the central point that is common to everything is this content. Cause it also, ultimately it comes down to your customer journey too. So I, I always frame it as we're going out with a market narrative um, and I need the SDR saying the same thing as they would if they went to the website themselves versus an AE themselves versus the first call deck all the way down to paying customer. So really framing it that way helps a ton, but it is a, you know, it's not, there's, there's no easy button in SaaS in my opinion uh, or business in general. And, it is, it is an orchestration game and a buy-in game and, you know, getting everyone uh, aligned to the, that vision for sure. And, and I guess as I think about it, right, I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying and it all makes sense. All the dots connect. How much time on average does this entire exercise of planning and then starting take, right? Because, uh, because I know like some people are like, well, just give it in a weekend. And some people are like, well, it's going to take like six months, but, I know there's, there's gotta be some like average time that you need to give to this exercise or this effort to do it justice. Yeah, and I mean, I think um, it, it's kind of like that crawl, walk, run sort of mentality. And um, it, you can either, you can go in two different ways. You can just rip the bandaid off and say, we're all doing this at once, or you can, yep. you, you can slow roll it. And here at Sendoso, I decided to slow roll it, right? We got our, we got our demand gen families figured out. We started doing our SEO. Um, we then, um, I got more involved with our SDR team and we were looking at the journey and what a target account approach looked like, what the content looked like. And then it naturally made sense to marry those two strategies and get the flywheel going. Right. So, um, you know, for us, it was a phased approach and now it's, it's a regular part of our DNA as a combined marketing and SDR org where, you know, the, the content team and the SDR leadership meet weekly and talk about what content's coming out, what's strategic, what's not, what, you know, even product marketing being involved in the conversation, like what does the next release look like? What does the packaging look like on that? What's the market narrative? And, and really tying all that together just becomes kind of a core part of your, your DNA. And that's what it is now. 
Superb. And, and do you guys talk about different types of, let's say, outbound slash inbound motion? So let's just call it all bound for the sake of this uh, conversation. Like, <clears throat> like, do you focus your all bound campaign number one to a certain segment and then there's all bound campaign number two to a different segment? Do you think about it like that? Uh, we think about it more in like persona um, uh, and like value of content. So like a CMO is going to get like what we call like super high value ROI centric kind of offers that are very much like business imperative and like not trying to waste your time versus, you know, uh, maybe a little bit lower level, like maybe a little bit more fun and playful and like interactive and engaged. Um, so we, we take that approach first and foremost um, as it relates to like, you know, whether it's an outbound cadence or an inbound um, and when, like we, we definitely have the ability to, so, you know, a, a big part of what I think is an arsenal in people's tech stack now is the ability to do lead to account matching. So when, when an inbound lead comes in, we instantly know if it's been part of an outbound cadence in the past. And if it has, it's actually going back to that outbound SDR so that they can pick up the conversation more naturally than if it was just some random demo request where, we had never tried to talk to them in the past. So we, we connect the journey and the conversation that way um, by routing it back and, and picking up the conversation where it was left off. Even if the prospect doesn't remember, it'll give them the muscle memory and go like, oh yeah, I have talked to so-and-so before. Nice. That's, that's super, super cool. So now I'm pumped. I'm excited. I want to go do this. Like what is literally the first step I need to take if I'm listening to this video cast and, uh, and I'm inspired? Uh, because I want to make sure that there's some action leadership in this conversation too. So guide us on like, what would be my next step or my first step into this for it? Yeah. So, I mean, first step, like if you have an SEO agency, awesome. You probably already have demand gen families. So you need to take those demand gen families and like rip them back open and kind of create a centralized editorial calendar based on them. And you need to get multiple people from your department um, at the table so that you can all understand the content and how it's uh, correlated. Uh, but if, you, if you're not that far, then the first thing you need to do as a marketer is get into Google Analytics on your website and you need to dig in and you need to look at what um, organic traffic is coming from. And then you need to get down to the keyword level and start to just look at those basic uh, traffic uh, elements and, and make some decisions on, on what's driving your growth right now and what could drive it into the future. And then, and then start building some content around that. Superb. Well, Dan, thank you so much for sharing the concept, the framework, and giving us a, an action item. Uh, let's move to the other, I would say, somewhat fun parts of the show. Who would be two other people who you believe we should invite as guests on the show? So one, one person I was thinking of is uh, Laura Kendall. So she used to work with me back at Aptis, she's gone into a couple different early stage companies. Like we're talking seed and then through to liquidity, like maybe series B getting sold off. And she just joined another seed with uh, mad kudu, I think is the name okay. of the company. Yep. Uh, be super interesting. And then um, I think Matt Abinson over at Everstring is always a super fun person. Um, but that might, I don't know if you guys do business together or not. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. The, the, this this show is a little bit more than just uh, demand matrix. You know, we're to, we're all, we're all about everything go to market. So, yep. actually, maybe fun to have Matt on the show, and then we can debate things. He can actually interview me while I'm interviewing him. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 
<laughs> Terrific. Well, we always ask people if this, they were to condense their podcast or their video cast into a hashtag, what would their hashtag be? So Dan, what would your hashtag be? Oh man. Um, I think it's hashtag get it done. Um, I'm a, I'm a man of action and that's kind of my hashtag. <laughs> Superb. It's, it's so funny because if, when we meet, if somebody meets you, they would totally not get that because they're so cool, calm and collected. And then there's the action leadership that comes out. All right. People want to get in touch with you. What would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn at uh, Daniel Fronin. I'm on Twitter, Daniel Fronin, or you can hit me up at dan at sendoso.com. And if you're a member of any of the millions of communities that we're a part of, um, hit me up through Slack. <laughs> I mean, in fact, we were just talking yesterday via Slack in one of the communities. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I realized there was a faster way to get a hold of you than email or phone. It was just to Slack you, you know. Well, great. Well, thank you again for coming on to the show and uh, best of luck with your journey at Sendoso. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.